Today, we take a look at the Q in minding our P's and Q's. That's our theme, remember? Our Q stands for quickening our divine potential within. What does it mean to quicken something? It's to bring it to life, to enter into a phase of active growth, to fire it up and get it going. So to prepare us to quicken our divine potential, we're going to do a mindfulness exercise. If this is your first Sunday here this month, each week we've engaged in a short internal process we've called mindfulness. So uh, here we go for today's. Um, In a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and focus on the statement, I open my mind to know who I really am. And I want you to repeat this line to yourself, kind of like Dorothy did in The Wizard of Oz, um, except without the heel clicking. Okay? Um, yeah, and, and you're going not, there's no place like home. I open my mind to know who I really am. Now close your eyes and breathe deeply to help this seat firmly within you. I open my mind to know who I really am. Continue thinking these words. Breathe them in. I open my mind to know who I really am. I open my mind to know who I really am. Now let go of consciously thinking the words, but let the remnants of the thought and that intention stay in your awareness. When you're ready, gently bring yourself back to this moment and open your eyes. That was the first half of our mindfulness exercise for today. So we'll do the second half later on, but make sure you remember that phrase and come back to it throughout the talk. So now that your mind is open to it, there are two elements to that statement we made. And I want us to explore and experience each of them this morning. The first is who you really are. And the second is knowing it. Truly, really knowing it. So who are you? Who are you really What I'm about to say will come as no surprise for anyone who's been lingering around um, this campus for more than five minutes or hung out with me for a little while. But even if you've heard this before, and regardless of the level that you embody what I'm about to say already, whether you embody it a lot or a little actively, your mission, should you choose to accept it, I'm sorry I had to, 
Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to allow these concepts to quicken something inside you. Quicken them in such a way that we walk out of these doors this morning permanently uplifted a notch or two and causing us to show up in the world in a more spiritually grounded and empowered way. How's that for a lofty goal? In my experience, lofty goals are the most fun and exciting to strive towards. And I know that each and every one of us are more than capable of achieving this one today. Here is one sentence from our founder, uh, Dr. Ernest Holmes. Yes, he was here on this campus. Did you know that? At the groundbreaking, he gave a speech. And I actually got to read it. And wow, do we say a lot of that all the time here. So that vision Ethel Barnhart had has stayed with us throughout many decades. What he said perfectly encapsulates the answer to the question, who are you really? And I love the poetry of it. Spirit put the stamp of individuality upon itself and called it you. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? Spirit, God, infinite creator, eternal intelligence, perfect love, whatever word or phrase you want to use, individualized itself as you. We're probably all familiar with that biblical phase, you are made in the image and likeness of God, right? This could be said in another way, and let's, let's look at this. Your image and likeness is God's form. Take a deep breath and breathe that in. So if your image and likeness is God's form, then every nook and cranny of you, every aspect of you, every dimension of you, everything of and about you is of the divine. Isn't that what that means? The foundational essence of who and what you really are is eternal intelligence and perfect love. As I was writing this, I was reminded of a time many years ago when I went to the christening of my friend's daughter. And this was um, in a Lutheran church. And I can still actively remember, as soon as I think of it, my stomach knots up, I can remember the way my tummy was nodding as the minister talked at surprising length about how the baby, my friend's perfect little girl, was a sinner and needed to be absolved of her sins. I'd heard of the concept. I knew it existed. I knew it was being taught. But I didn't believe that anyone could repeat it in so many different ways and employ so many different qualifiers, and I was stunned. I got to admit, I don't remember anything else from that service because just kind of chewing on that in my brain cut me out of that moment. And the fact is, though, 
Many of us grew up with the concept of original sin, right? A whole lot of us. A few of us didn't. I see Nancy's head nodding. But even if we didn't have it in our face, it is a concept that is in our race consciousness, to use a phrase from Ernest Holmes, which means the collective beliefs of the human race, of humanity as a whole. We're not talking about ethnicity. We're saying it's a concept of collected humanity. But what about this concept? We are not born in original sin, but rather in original innocence. And we have the unconditional acceptance and love of God as our divine birthright. Now, I can hear all the big butts coming up. You guys remember that sermon a while back, get your big butts out of the way? I can hear them. I can hear those wheels turning inside a few of the heads in there thinking things like... um, but you don't know me, all the terrible things I've done or said or thought. Or, But you don't know all the terrible things that have happened to me that have damaged me permanently. Or how about you don't know that I'm really not worthwhile because I'm not smart or I'm lazy or I'm selfish or any of the other unkind phrases and labels we give ourselves, Right? I know a couple of you are doing it. Did I miss anything? If we believe the theology of original sin, we would say, well, yes, all of these things are true, and they're true because we are inherently bad. We are inherently flawed. The theology of original innocence, however, says that, yes, you may have made a million mistakes, some small, some gigantic. And yes, others may have made mistakes to our detriment. But every one of them was made out of ignorance, no matter how it may appear. We are ignorant of the truth of ourselves, of God, and of one another. We are ignorant of the truth that we are made in the image and likeness of the divine and are endowed with power of creation through our thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. We are ignorant of our connection to one another and the earth and all life. We are ignorant. Ignorant doesn't necessarily mean you're ignoring. Although it can, you can actively choose to be ignorant. It means that you are unaware. You have not learned it. And it's an okay thing. See, all that we do that is not life-affirming is a result of ignorance. It is not proof that some dark, unworthy being resides at our core. We still may flounder and offend and wander off track, but despite that, we are inherently good. Every single one of us, no exceptions. 
we are inherently good because God created us. And God don't make no junk, to quote that great philosopher Dennis the Menace. Who remembers Dennis? God don't make no junk. Puttering about the bookstore this week, my eyes were repeatedly drawn to a little stack of the prayer of St. Francis I had um, over by the register. You probably have seen them. And it got me thinking about St. Francis's history. You all are familiar with St. Francis. But do you know who he was? What you may not know is that he was an Italian Roman Catholic monk living in the 13th century And he founded the Franciscan order and was canonized in 1228. Most known for being the author of that profoundly beautiful prayer that I read a couple of weeks ago, which begins, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. What you may not know is that he was not always saintly. In fact, he grew up very wealthy And lived a life of wild indulgence, however wildly indulgent life was in the 13th century. Um, And I got this from a book called The, The Reluctant Saint. He was once asked by one of his companions, why you, Francis? Why you? Why did God choose you as a lighthouse to bless the world? St. Francis smiled and replied, Why me? I'll tell you why me. Because there could hardly be anyone who has made as many mistakes as I have. I have done and been everything you can think of that is abhorrent and unholy. I had absolutely nothing to offer the world. That is precisely why God chose to glorify me. For if the Holy Spirit can work through me, it can work through anyone. The words of someone who was undoubtedly a light of God on this planet. If the Holy Spirit can work through me, it can work through anyone. And that means it can and does work through each and every one of us. So our second part of the equation is to know this. You know who you are. Now let's know it. Let's actualize it. Let's know who we really are. Ernest Holmes, in his The Philosophy of Jesus for the World Today, we must come to believe... And I'm going to edit that to say we must come to know that the Father does dwell within us and that this creative spirit, which is back of all things, also flows through us. Here's the big one. God has need of us or we would not have been put here. The divine wishes to express through us or we would have no existence. Let us see what would happen to us if we should include ourselves in God's creation. Right at the start, we would learn to have a little better opinion of ourselves. How then can we begin to have a little better opinion of ourselves? Well, prayer is a good place to begin. 
I want to share a prayer with you. But let us not forget that the method of prayer isn't as important as the belief of the prayer. In Matthew 17, 6, as well as Luke 17, 16, Jesus said that if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, all things are possible. So belief is the key. That is the catalyst. Here is the prayer. Dear God, please untie the knots, that's spelled N-O-T-S, that are invading my mind, my heart, and my life. Please remove the have-nots, the can-nots, and the do-nots that invade my mind. Please erase the will-nots, the may-nots, and the might-nots that invade my heart. Please release me from the could-nots, the would-nots, and the should-nots that invade my life. Most of all, dear God, I ask that you remove from my mind, my heart, and my life all of the am Knots that I have allowed to hold me back. Please erase from my mind the thought that I am not good enough. Please remove from my heart the feeling that I am not lovable enough. Please untie from my life everything that I clutch that supports the belief that I am not enough. Today, dear God, I come to you humbly and reverently asking that you untie, eliminate, and erase all of the knots that have invaded every aspect of my life. For your mercy and your grace, I am so grateful. Let these words take on the presence of the Holy Spirit to become living conditions in my life. Amen. Wasn't that a cool approach? I loved it. It said it all in there. And when all of those knots are removed, what do we have left? In the words of the poet Walt Whitman, in the faces of men and women, I see God. Do you remember that mission I gave you at the beginning of this talk? To allow these concepts to quicken something inside of you. So much so that you walk out of these doors this morning permanently uplifted a notch or two. And that that uplifting causes you to show up in the world in a more spiritually grounded and empowered way, right? Okay, now we're going to conclude with the second half of our mindfulness exercise. While the choir moves into place and Carrie hustles on up front, I'm going to explain. It'll start with a chant. You may know this chant. But even if you haven't heard it, it's very, very simple and easy to learn. It's called Face of God by Karen Drucker. And what I'd like you to do, I'd like you to listen first. And then when you're ready, join in, whether vocally by singing out loud and raising the energy with your voice, with your sound, or silently joining in within and raising the energy within your consciousness. And once you've got it, close your eyes. And as you do, I'd like you to hold the statement from the beginning. That that statement we made at the start, I open my mind to know who I really am. And as the song concludes, please stay in that meditative, contemplative, affirming space as we enter into prayer, okay?
As you receive this prayer and make it your own, as now I know who I really am, this is how I choose to show up in the world. There is one life, one power, one presence, one love. It is the creative power of the living spirit that guides all of existence into its most perfect expression. Its love is infinite. There is no limit to the love of God. It is all-inclusive. Therefore, I am included. Included in its power and in its love. I receive for myself a greater capacity for self-acceptance. I release all judgments and pressures that appear to work against me and open to all loving thoughts about myself. I let my heart be filled with love and peace. I make room for myself to expand and grow. I easily release any mistakes and move on to greater expression through the wisdom of the divine in me. I accept myself, all of me. I treat myself with loving kindness. I am aware of the healing power of the living spirit within me to reveal a greater truth in my life freely and automatically. I align myself with this greater truth. I give thanks for the revelation of my wholeness, the wholeness of God in me. I celebrate a joyful experience of self-acceptance. I release this word into divine law, trusting its complete manifestation. And so it is. Amen. Thank you.